0: Welcome to Pioneering Today with me, Melissa K. Norris, where I inspire your faith and your pioneer roots. I show you how to grow your own food, heirloom gardening, how to preserve your food at home, and modern homesteading. Tune in every other Friday as I share proven strategies that anyone can do to live the pioneer lifestyle. Make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com and subscribe to receive free Pioneering Today articles and updates.
1: If something happened today where you could not go to the grocery store and purchase groceries for whatever reason, how much food do you have on hand in your home to feed your family? Now, this is something home food storage is really important to me for so many reasons. Uh, obviously natural disaster um, type thing. Um, you know, of course, It can be a number of reasons, um, you know, mudsides, which we've experienced here locally. Um, You've probably seen on the news a lot about that. Um, You know, then there's tornadoes, flooding, earthquakes. um, You know, God forbid something happened and our whole infrastructure is shut down. But also not just these, you know, what you think of as large catastrophe type things, but what if you lost your job and you didn't have any money coming in? Um, if you already have a food storage supply built up at home, then at least you don't have to worry about um, food. Purchasing food flow out, you have your food storage. So there's many reasons to have a home food storage in place. And today's episode, I am very excited to share with you. Um, I was actually interviewed on Tammy Trayer's uh, Mountain Woman Journal podcast, and we'll talk about food storage. She has and keeps on hand a 3 year food storage supply at her home and I'm about six months to a year out on our food storage at our home and so we wanted to share with you how we do these ways that you can implement food storage and why and what you can do to figure out for your family and your home food storage. So I am super excited you're going to listen to Tammy and I talk back and forth and share our knowledge on building up your own food storage supply.
2: Okay, we are back, and I would like to introduce to you a good friend, um, very faithful friend. I'm very blessed um, that we are so like minded. Um, She's a part of the Survival Mom Radio Network as well, and uh, it's a huge contributor in uh, homesteading knowledge and uh, pioneering today. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Melissa Norris, and you can find her at Melissa. Norris.com and um, she is a wealth of information, a great spirit, uh, wonderful to listen to, and I am excited that she and I are going to be chatting today and sharing our uh, food endeavors with you. So, uh, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Carrie. I am so excited to be on here today. Uh, like you said, we are so like-minded. When I found your site and we started chatting back and forth, I'm like, "Oh my goodness, we're like long lost sisters!" (laughs) 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 And and so I was so excited that we get a team up today and do a a joint show. It's gonna be so much fun. Um, And one of the it's funny because how we sparked actually doing the show together was we were talking back and forth on uh, Facebook about food storage, and Tammy shared that they keep um, almost a three year food storage supply on hand. And I got all kinds of excited. I'm like, girl, we have to talk because I'm only at about six months to a year. So I I want to pick your brain. And we decided we were just going to make it into a show. So that's kind of how we came about being here today.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And it's funny because unbeknownst to both of us, we were you know, monitoring each other's websites and following each other's information and and both uh, kind of enthralled with each other's materials and then and then we connected and I really feel that was divine intervention because God has opened several other doors for us to communicate and and to reach people um, with our faith and our education and knowledge. So this has been pretty cool <laughs> it It has
0: and I love you know it's so funny because in life. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, you'll hear people use the term, oh, it was just fate, or oh, it was, you know, the weirdest coincidence. (laughs) And the older I get and and the stronger I grow in my faith, I don't believe in coincidence and Mm -hmm. fate. I believe in God-directed moments, and I think that that's what those really are. So I totally believe it was um, a God-directed thing that we um, met each other and teamed up, and I'm excited to see what he holds uh, in the future for us and, and for all of us children.
2: Yes, I agree. I agree, and nothing is coincidental. Uh, I've experienced too many things in my life to to think otherwise. I agree with you 100%. So um, one of the neat things that I had um, found when I was um, reading over Melissa's materials is how she... Um, replaces processed foods in her kitchen I do a lot of the same thing and that was one of the things that kind of um, awed me uh, because she even took it steps further than I currently am Um, so it's neat that when you connect with these people that you know you can really share your knowledge and really learn from one another and so today I think that we'll be able to really uh, share a wide range of of information with one another. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so I'm curious on your food storage for three years, which I I think is phenomenal and fantastic. So what kind of items do you store for that three years' food storage? What is kind of like the main basics of your pantry of that food storage?
2: Okay, well, we make everything from scratch. So everything I have is raw ingredients, and I am very careful what ingredients I purchase because I do not want GMO foods in my home. That's why I got away from processed foods. So it can be a little tricky in finding real non-GMO foods. Um, But I am connected with a company called azurestandard.com and there's a drop spot locally here. And I know that they are scattered throughout the West. Um, They are starting to branch out and hit the East Coast also. So, um, you know, you can go to azurestandard.com and check to see where their drop points are. You can order and pay shipping as well but the drop point saves you that shipping so you're ultimately saving even more money and you can purchase in bulk from them and save Um, and that's where I get my rice and my beans and um, um, varied um, gluten-free things as well. Uh, My son is on the gluten-free casing-free diet so we're no dairy, no wheat so um, I get some of the things from there too but like um, my sugars, and uh, I get organic sugar. I struggle with that because I really don't want to use sugar at all. And we do have honeybees. Um, mm-hmm. th- this past year was our first year with them, and we got uh, like three and a half gallons of, of fresh honey, and it is just to die for. Oh,
1: wonderful.
2: Yeah, so that, yeah. Is, that is something that's been supplemented in there. But um, I, I have all my raw ingredients, and I stock up by 25 and 50 and 100 pounds depending on what it is um, such as sugar and um, salt sea salt I get and pepper um, and pepper we get in a smaller quantity it's based on what our family uses so that's something where everybody kind of has to regulate what your usage is and the first year is the hardest um, in figuring out truly what your needs are so you might you know not have enough um, and that's where you learn um, how much you need for the following year? So our first year here was our kind of trial and error year, um, but I I purchase all the draw dry um, ingredients and um, make everything I need. So it's figuring out what you need um, with the amount of spices you need, um, your beans, your rice, your flowers. Um, and we've just started milling, so now I'm doing the berries and um the wheat berries and the whole um grains so that I can actually mill my own
0: yeah and and that's so it's so true kinda where I started um when we first started out um actually, it's so funny I see the the thing that transformed <laughs> our whole <laughs> way of life and our kitchen was about three years ago. Um, I went to our little local grocery store, and, and we're fairly rural, so I don't have any big chains or, or anything around. And so I went to the local grocery store, and I wanted to buy a loaf of bread and milk. Because um, I practice a lot of, uh, like you said, a paleo caveman now. Um, I do primarily gluten-free, and I try to do dairy-free yeah. Um most of the time. Uh, my kids are not, though they kind of tend to eat what I fix. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so they're, they're leaning more towards that way. But I still do bake, uh, regular bread and stuff for them. But it was about, actually not, it about four years ago. I went to the store to buy just a, a loaf of bread and I was reading through the ingredient labels because I'm like you. I'm a hugely um, against GMO products. In fact, I have GM, uh, GMO food guide on, on what to buy podcasts on that. Um, and so when I was reading the ingredients on the bread label, you know, all of them had uh, high fructose corn syrup in it, caramel yeah. coloring, yeah. um, you know, just a lot of nasty things. And so the only loaf of bread that I could find that didn't have high fructose corn syrup in it or caramel coloring was at that time it was $4.79 a loaf. Right. And I only buy organic milk, um, because I, I don't want extra hormones in my bodies or my children, um, or genetically modified because, um, the growth hormone that they give cattle, along with the antibiotics, yeah. uh, is actually genetically engineered and started in the 90s. So, for me to buy a half a gallon of organic milk and a loaf of bread, it was almost $10. And I thought, <laughs> this is crazy. This yeah. is just crazy that I should have to pay this much money or suffer health consequences by buying something cheaper. So, I decided I was going to learn how to bake our bread at home come, you know, water, high water. So... Yeah. <laughs> So I work three or four days a week outside the home, and so time was a big issue for me. And I didn't have a bread maker, and I really don't like to buy appliances that only have one purpose. Right. Um, and I just I didn't want to shell up the money for a bread maker. So I started talking and doing some research, and I came across the um, artisan bread in five minutes a day. Um, there's an entire website to go to, a, a book, yep. um, and so and I have and so I adapted that with a little bit. Um, I added some vinegar because apple cider vinegar has some wonderful health properties, and it actually helps um, the rise and no knead bread.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so I adapted the recipe, and, and I started with that. And so making that one thing from scratch transformed my whole kitchen. And <laughs> so I, I'm I'm smiling as you're listing all the stuff to use because that's here. We you know I, I invested in our own. Um, flour grinder, so we grind all our own flour now, and then yep. using different wheat berries and experiencing and storing those, spouts, yep. um, is one of my favorite wheat berries right now, because uh, it's a primitive, non-hybridized wheat, nice. um, so it does have some gluten in it, but it's the lower gluten count, and it has the higher protein, yes. so, um, yeah, so, and anyway, so I haven't used Azure yet, um, we have a local co-op, Um, I say local, it's about an hour away from me, but that's considered (laughs) local, that's the closest big town that we have to us, it's about an hour away, and so I've been able, they have a great program, if you order any of the bulk stuff in a um, 50-pound bag, then they'll special order it in for you, you don't have to pay shipping, and they give you 10% off, so I've really been using that to grow our food storage, but like I said, I'm not at three years yet, I'm about a year out, so (laughs) I love that you've taken it those much steps further. Um, so, so what do you use um, then? Because I've been playing around with um, coconut milk and almond milk. Yes. But you said you do most of your stuff in powdered. So, what do you use for a non-dairy replacement in your food storage?
2: A non-dairy replacement is actually powdered coconut milk, and it is costly. Um, I did I you can get soy, you can get varied other powders. I try to stay away from soy because soy actually um, messes around with your hormone balance and is not as good for the digestive system. So I've been slowly stocking up on um, coconut powdered milk um we also have milk goats which is something new um ours are not producing milk yet they are not quite a year old um but i've had loner goats a couple times from the breeder which has been just amazing and has really spoiled us. Um, because with three goats, we were getting over um, a gallon of milk in the morning and over a gallon of milk in the evening. So to make cheese and have all of our dairy right there from our goats was just uh, awesome. Um, but it is good to have that powdered form on hand just in case um, the milk str- uh, goats dry up, or um, some people choose to dry them up while they're um, carrying kids. So, um, just to be able to have backup. My goal is always to have a backup. Whatever we like, I, I want to make sure I can make. So... Um And the trick to keeping three years, our first year we stocked up, I really was not sure how much I was going to have. And I grew up with a mom who we had a cold cellar and the shelves were always full. Power outage, it was never, you know, I never knew what panicking was on a power outage because we had a well, we had a hand pump outside, we had food on the shelf, you know, we had a wood stove. So, you know, it was never anything to be concerned about. And having that shelf full was like uh, something just for the normal for me so I've always stocked up from the first time I you know had an apartment even I always had full cupboards so um, the trick is once you start depleting some of your things you just keep refilling them and recycling your your um, dried goods another thing you can do too is like beans when I buy beans you can actually take your dried beans cook them up can them and put them on your shelves and then continue to buy dry beans that way you have beans on the shelf that you can pull off and use and don't have to worry about, um, you know, cooking them and um, going through that process. So there's little tricks to keeping that stuff on the shelf. Plus with our meats, we hunt and harvest everything that we um on our shelves or in our freezer um, again same GMO hormones I don't want to be getting the processed meats today it's just disgusting and I know oh kn- you don't want
0: some slime oh no
2: no kid <laughs> <laughs> no, that just oh it just ugh. and plus with, yeah, we, the, with, yeah. the, with the meats we're harvesting It's not like we're raising them. We don't have to pay to feed them. We just have to pay for our very inexpensive hunting licenses and tags, and we all hunt. So to be able to each fill our tags is a blessing, and I put 113 quarts of deer burger on my shelf this year. So it's stuff like that. It's just time-consuming, but to be able to provide and know that you have that much food on hand is really comforting.
0: (laughs) No, I completely agree. And um we don't do as much hunting as you guys. We actually have um we raise a small herd, uh, about seven head of grass fed beef cattle. Nice. Um and of course that's rotating, you know, we have the moms that we breed back and you know, and that kind of a thing. So so that we have a, um our own, you know, natural grass fed beef. We haze from local fields. Um actually my brother haze his fields so I know, you know, that there's nothing sprayed on it. It's and it helps keep our costs down. And because I'm like you, I am... Um, I grew up, my dad raised beef title, so I never had beef from the store unless it was someone else's home, mm-hmm. um, and then when I was first married, um, my husband and I bought a quarter of a beef from my dad when he butchered, and we ran out of hamburger before it was time to butcher again, and so I went to the grocery store, mm-hmm. it was Costco, and I bought some ground beef. Well, I had never actually cooked beef from the store before because we'd always had our own. (laughs) And I could not eat it. I know this sounds funny. I, it smelled weird when I took it out and it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't right there, but it had a different odor. And when you cooked it, I had gotten the lean, but all of this liquid (laughs) stuff came out of it when I was cooking it and it was, yeah, I, and so from then on, I knew how much beef we needed to get through the next year until, and then we got our own hurt, so I'm fine there. But I, yeah, I get what you're saying. So we <laughs> freeze. Um, we have a deep freezer for our cattle. Um, and then with the beans, I'm, I'm giggling because we actually had our power went out. Um, oh, last weekend we got a kind of a freak snowstorm. We got like a foot of snow in 24 hours, and the power went out. I think it was out for about 26 hours um, oh. at that time. And so I am a canner just like you. And I had canned up um, a whole bunch of beans. And it's funny, though, because I don't actually buy dried beans because we raise um, a really large garden. And so I have um, two kinds of beans that I actually grow. One is a charcoal green bean. It's a pole bean. And when it's young, it's just like a regular green bean. And then as you let some of them mature, then it becomes um, a white bean. Oh, nice. And so I, I can those and dry some of them and save some for food and dry that. And then I can the rest of those white beans. And then we also grow another bean. And these beans are actually, they've actually been passed down in my family for like over 100 years. So I've never actually purchased them from the store. Cool. Um, but we call it an October bean because it's in October. The first part of October, end of September, is actually when it's mature and, and ready to be harvested. And it, they're really pretty. They kind of look like, if you've looked through seed catalogs before, kind of like um, a cranberry bean. So they're this really pretty dark burgundy with, like, streaks and flecks of white through them. Nice. Yeah, and so we dry those, and then I can them up as well. And the beauty of the canning, which you know, yes. of your beans is when the power goes out, <laughs> um, we are on our own well, but I'm actually converting over to put on side-by-side because side our well is powered by electricity, so... Um, the uh, hand pump um, so that when the power goes out I don't have to start my dinner or for water. Nice. Um, so when it's canned you don't have to worry about adding water to it. It's just ready to go. It's just self-sufficient it's a little jar there. Yes. So you just, you know, dump it out and cook it which I was what we did. I had the wood stove going and I pulled out my dutch oven and made a big old thing of chili. I'm yeah. um, like, no worries about running to the store that we didn't have a food supply. Um, so I love that the, the food store you have know, going on. I, I tend to only have one year's worth of beans at a time, though, because then we always replant um, in the spring so that the next year is on the beans. But the wheat berries and the rice and the salt. So how much salt do you estimate? Because this is when I'm slowly growing my food store salt area with the sea salt. How much do you, Does your family, I know each one's different, how yeah. much salt do you usually keep on hand as far as pounds?
2: Well, it's kind of crazy because for us, we have a smokehouse also. And salt is a great preserver of meats. So, in our mind, salt is one of one of our main um, necessities because we use it for so much—not um, just on the table and in our food, but also for preserving meats. And as a worst case scenario, if we didn't have um, the, the chunkier salt for, uh, preserving the hides, we could use our sea salt to do that that also because we actually use everything from the animals. So we will actually use the hides for clothing and bags and different things like that. So I keep a lot of salt. Like my goal is to have at least a hundred pounds of salt going into winter every year. Um, and I stock up because one of the, one of the biggest reasons that we did salt, um, or, um, balking up in food is because our first year here we weren't sure if we would be able to get out and it did end up that we were back here for eight and a half weeks before we could drive out um, because we got 36 inches of snow and one dumping and to me that was utopia. I if I had to shop every day for groceries, you might as well hang me because I hate shopping. <laughs> I hate shopping. And the thought of wasting my valuable time getting in a vehicle and running. Like you said, your closest co-op is an hour. So is ours. And if I decide to go the other direction, it's two. So, and, and the, the closest town of a population of like thir- 3,000 people is like 30 minutes, roughly 40 minutes. So...
0: Same here. Yeah, just, we have a smaller one that's about three thousand. That's yeah. about t- uh, fifteen minutes away. But for an actual pop, big population, yeah, yeah. we found very similar locations.
2: Yeah, and I can't and I can't find what I need at that at the first town. You know, they only have mm-hmm. bare minimum. so it's like, you know, and and we plan our trips. You know, we're frugal, so we do like a circular motion, and we plan a trip and we hit all errands we can, and we do it once every three months. If we can push it further, the better. But but stocking up is huge. And I, I read about your beans and, the, and how they've been a part of your family in your book. And we are starting our garden and our greenhouse this year. Um, this is the first year that we are able to actually focus on that. And I cannot wait. And I can't imagine what my shelves are going to look like because... I want to be able to grow as much as I possibly can and eliminate that cost too, and put up as much as yeah. I can. So canning is just such a blessing, and and you know you put that food up on your shelf, and if you don't go through it the first year, it doesn't matter. It's gonna it's preserved. So you know, the more I can get my hands on, and the more I can get on my shelves, the better.
0: Yeah, we're we're the same way. We do a, a fairly large vegetable garden. Um, like I said, I never buy beans from the store, so all of my green beans I count up for the year. Um, I think last year on the green beans, I kind of estimated out about a jar to two jars a week, and then multiplied out for the beans. And so I ended up doing um, eighty pints of the green beans with the nice. ages my kids are and stuff. A pint is just perfect for us for for one meal. Okay. Um, and then I did more. I actually do my dried beans in quartz, um, because well, when I can them, they're not technically dried because they're right off the vine. Right, but they do still swell up in the water when they're cooking in the pressure canner. So I fill the quartz about uh, two thirds of the way full, and then the rest of the way with water because they expand as they're cooking. Right. Um, and so I usually just do them in quarts because once it, that just works out perfect for most recipes. One quart of beans is you know just about right. Um, and so I put up a lot of that. And, of course, all of our jams and our jellies and our syrups except maple. I don't have an access to maple syrup on my own property. So I do blackberry syrup, strawberry syrup, raspberry syrup, you know, all those jams and jellies. Yeah. So I haven't bought jams and jellies from the store, and I don't know when, so <laughs> many years ago. And it's just it's a wonderful thing. And I love that my kids get a help because it teaches them so much about not only where their food comes, um, but responsibility and self-reliance, yeah. and I really feel that it helps us bond together as a family. I mean, right now they're four and eight, yeah. and ever since they were babies, they've helped in the garden. I mean, you know, they ate their share of dirt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and helped plant. You know, I ended up having peas in with the beans and whatever because yeah. they were helping with the seeds. Yeah. But and they, and now my eight-year-old, he'll be nine actually this spring. It's great in the summertime. He will go out, and I will find him out weeding the garden without being asked.
2: That's so, cool.
0: And it's, That's so I, cool. I love it. I don't know how long it'll last. <laughs> Hopefully it's whole life, but I just, I love that. And so uh, growing the garden is just one of my biggest passions. And we use all heirloom seed because um, yep. I don't want any GMOs. And I don't, uh, you know, hybridized seeds are not genetically modified, but they have still been touched by science. And the problem with the hybrid seeds is you cannot save the seed each year and replant it because right. most of the time they're sterile or they don't grow back to, to form, so we practice an all heirloom garden. Actually, the timing is so funny um, for us doing this, is because starting um, Wednesday, which is March fifth, I am having a big, huge heirloom gardening seed giveaway That's on MelissaCanner's cool. dot com. So I've got um, over twelve different varieties of seeds, and I'm going to have a couple different packages for people to win. So if heirloom seed is something that you're into or want to get into for gardening, um, come on over. It's going to run for two weeks.
2: Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure I put the link in there and I will pass that around on my social media network because I agree, heirloom seeds are the key thing. Um, Even in a survival situation, long-term survival situation, you have those heirloom seeds. Like you said, you can save them, and you have constant food um, both on your shelves and and able to plant for the following year. I just realized what time it is, and we're going to just take a short break real quick here and get some words from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and Melissa and I have been having such a blast chatting with you folks that we really lost track of time, and we are running out of time for our show today. Um, but because we have so much more to share, I am um, going to invite Melissa back, and we will do this again um, next week so that you can get more information because there is a lot to share Um with both of our food pantries. So, um, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today, and um, I look forward to having you back next week that we can continue sharing this information.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to come back. Um, I just love finding, you know, like-minded people and then getting to share and learn, because no matter how much we may know in an area Someone else knows more in another area, and I just think it's fantastic that that we get to share that into these worlds with so many people uh, with the Internet. So I can't wait to come back.
2: Likewise, this will be great, and I agree 100% with you. It is nice to find like-minded people, and I am a sponge. I will never admit to knowing everything because I don't, and I am a sponge to knowledge, and I want to just suck it up and learn as much as I can and also share what I know. So that's this is awesome. So um, everyone, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I look forward to uh, having you back next week, and in the meantime, This is Tammy Trier with Mount Woman Journal Show here on the Survival Mom Radio Network. You guys take care and God bless.
0: And make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com to subscribe for free modern homesteading updates to help you live the simple life.